If you go to a surgeon, you're going to get cut. This should be a short one because we're both tired. I'm working on my sleep, by the way. I got my doctor helping me. <laughs> and well, you said you were going to have a sleep study done, right? Well, the, he's going to, uh, yeah, he's going to order it. I, we have to figure out what my insurance will support or whatever, if anything. Um, he prefers the one where you go and sleep there. Yeah. But I guess those are more expensive. And nowadays they have the kit you take home and you'd wire yourself up and you do it at home. Oh, that's and, right. They did stick stuff on me. Yeah. So they stuck stuff on me and they had cameras yeah. on me. Yeah. And so uh, I guess the, the one where they send it home is cheaper. And so maybe insurance might require that I do that one. Doesn't matter. Every, anybody who does a sleep study always ends up with a CPAP. Right. It's like any, I've never known anyone who went into a sleep study and didn't end up getting a no, sleep. If, and if you don't. It's, 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 a, it's, a, uh, if you it's go, a conspiracy thing. It is. If you go to a surgeon, you're going to get cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know. They, I can't sleep. Well, stick this on your face. I stopped using it. You, you, you really. So you, so, they, so you got diagnosed with what uh, sleep apnea. Yeah. Oh, you did. I, I didn't know you did. I remember you said you did the study, but I didn't know you got diagnosed. Yeah, okay. So you bought a machine. Bought a machine. How much were those? Well, first, let's back up. How much was the study? Do you remember? Did you pay for it? No, okay. it was covered. All right. And you bought the machine or was it? Oh, it was probably covered too. Probably. I think it was partially covered. I think I paid for half of it. Okay. I might've been out of pocket. But you don't use it? So. No, I got rid of it. Oh, you got rid of it? Yeah. Just wasn't, didn't make that much of a difference or what? No, it did. It, it's really tough to get used to. <clears throat> you have to sleep a certain way and you have to get used to air being forced into your face or into your nose. Basically have these things that go in your nostrils and it forces air. Yeah. Keeps you, your you can't, pathways open, right? Yeah. And you can't sleep with your mouth open because then it comes out or something and you just get this weird like, because you know how your sinuses are connected, right? Yeah. And so you just kind of get this like wind tunnel effect going. <laughs> so it's, and you have to keep them clean because it's really easy to get sinus infections with them if you don't keep them clean. Right. So you're constantly having to sanitize them, keep fresh, clean water, distilled water, hopefully. And there's these services hand. where you they'll just, you can just like send it off and they send you send it back like yeah. rejuvenated. <laughs> now I will say it did work. It you know I was sleeping better on it. It just was a pain in the ass. You look like Darth Vader going to bed. You got this machine going and things on your face, and it's not the most attractive thing. Right. Uh, get ready for your love life to go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it did seem to work. But I, I, like I said, I was a lot heavier when I when I had that, and when I lost a bunch of the weight, I was better. Makes a difference. It makes a difference. Yep. Um, like I said, right now I'm kind of yo-yoing. I'm hopefully on the downtrend right now, but. We'll see. This beer doesn't help. Thanks, yeah. by the way. It turns out that also, like, pretty much everything works better when you lose weight if, you're, if, you're, if you've gained some pounds. And yeah. I'll, I'll, leave it, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and by the way, welcome to This Week in Sleep Disorders uh, with yeah. your host, John Santiago. <laughs> it's a developer topic, man. <laughs> Is it? How so? Well, because when you're young, you don't worry about this kind of stuff. You're, you're working laid out. You're not working. You're having your... For me, I enjoyed it, so I loved it. I I coded are we day and in, are night. we entering in the 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 we're old men segment of the show that we like to do so often now? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm very much an old man. Yeah. The things Whatever. I say, you I'm just are like what you are. The things I say, I'm like, yep, I'm an old man. Yeah. But uh, back to why this show is going to be short. The main reason is um, of the two beers I brought. One of them was was uh, had had one of them had turned, as Mater would say. You remember that Turned. scene in Cars 2? Yeah. The, uh, with the pistachio ice cream. <laughs> 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 and so we, we only have one beer. Luckily, it is a bomber, so we each get 11 ounces. 11.25 ounces. 
But uh, this is good. French Quarter Temptress. I'm glad it held up. I don't even know. This is probably several years old. That other one was the Bourbon Barrel-Aged Winter Warmer from RAR in Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, that sounds good. It's from 2014. So five years old. Didn't make it. No. Some of these breweries, like, flash pasteurize in the bottle, whatever that's called. Uh Uh-huh. Just, especially anything that's in a barrel, because no matter how much you sterilize a barrel, like, barrels have wood that's, like, this thick, and there's bugs in there. And I say bugs, of course, I mean... Like microorganisms, lactobacillus. There's bugs and everything. Pediococcus, all those things. Have you seen the way they harvest vegetables and everything? There's some bugs and some oh, yeah. snakeheads in that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On various kinds of rabbit and rat poop and whatever. Yeah. Just all kinds of whatever. Okay. Sorry to gross you out, everyone. <laughs> um, well, what do we want to start with today, John? Uh, well, we have a community topic. Oh, that's no, that's your... that. See, that is that is your crutch. It is my crutch. Totally. Because, number one, you can no. do them. Those are your topics, your community, our community topic. When someone asks a question, that's all of a sudden a community topic. I just like to get to them first so we don't forget about them because we'll, we'll tend to go on tangents and we'll go for an hour. So, and question, then, so questions first, community input first, that's, that's a thing. I mean, I don't know. Don't I, I know. I just, if someone takes the time to send us a topic, mm-hmm. I want to make sure we cover it and it doesn't get shuffled off because we went and jerked off on a couple of different topics. <laughs> Can you say that? I don't know. <laughs> it's, more, it's the first word that came to my head. I think you started it <laughs> with uh, okay. your microphone talk, but I, <laughs> I, I, I digress. <laughs> that was your fault too. <laughs> that was my fault. Um, okay, well let's let's do the. Can we? We have, we have, what is this? A question? Someone? I thought I said, was it an email the other day that came in. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's do that. There is some questions embedded in here, so we'll get to those. Uh, so this is from Brandon Unruh. Is that how you say it? Did he give us? Did he give us permission? He said it's okay to use my name okay. on the show. Yeah. All right. Wow. I was making sure. He says, "Good day, sirs. I've been a Salesforce admin for around four years now, doing anything from creating new custom objects to process builders and workflows. So more declarative development than anything. Wait, I think many have called me a developer. Parentheses. I could sort of read." Uh, Salesforce code, but honestly, it feels like I'm reading Spanish and just picking up some of the items I've seen before. Not a bad analogy, you know? Right. Kind of recognize a few words, you know, they're all kind of Latin-based languages, so you kind of recognize certain things. I mean, the, the, I think the biggest bearing on whether you're going to be able to read Apex code is, is how well it was written. True, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm working with Apex code that I can't read right now, so... I've written code I cannot read. Well, yeah, I would say, <laughs> uh, we, we've all been there. Yeah. Uh, it goes on to say, I'm wanting to get more familiar with, with development in Salesforce. Instead of diving right in, I'd like to learn the basics of programming slash development. Uh, so his first question is, where do I start? Uh, second question is, obviously, I want the basics that relate to what I would need for Salesforce. So what languages should I focus on learning first? He says, I appreciate any information, resources you can provide to help me get started. All right. Well, I mean, to me, the... The the crux of this is because his last statement there is like I, you know I need to know what I know. Yeah. Sorry, well, that's super hot in here. Well, good God, John, just a mess. You would you would totally be fired as a DJ. Like, no, I'd one, have a, I'd have you. a better setup if I was a DJ. Well, you're in control of your own setup here. No, I'm not. I'm not your dad or your station manager. Fine, I'm gonna start buying a bunch of stuff and bring it in here so I can. That's fine. That's what this place is for. Kicked all my stuff out. Anyway. Um, the truth is, it doesn't matter whether it's Salesforce or SAP or Java or .NET or Android or any iOS. Doesn't matter. I mean, you need to learn good fundamental um, aspects of uh, programming, 
of of how of, of howing uh, howing god I, words mm-hmm. um of, of thinking thinking logically um decomposing problems i mean a lot of this has i mean what what are the things that helped me really i mean become something better than just a crappy script kitty because i didn't i don't i don't have a computer science degree um was a book called i think it's called problem frames and it's not even about programming but and and that's just one example i mean i do recommend that book that's probably super old but you can get it used for like a buck or two or something um mm-hmm. but it it, it t- teaches you how to think about uh, approaching problems and decomposing problems and turning what seem to be complex problems into into maybe a set of simple problems which is kind of the beauty of good code yeah in my opinion clean code as you would call it john i like clean code yeah clean code clean code <laughs> god so uh, yeah i, mean, I think there's, there's, i was thinking uncle bob in my head and and also so like say, learning these things will help you with your process builders and and these all this a lot of other things too but i don't know i don't want i guess i don't want to get too abstract but that stuff is really important um what one thing that people always turn to and I really haven't done the SICP from front to back yet. I should. I have the book. Have you, have you mm-hmm. done SI? So structure and interpretation of computer programs. I think it's just like a you know one of these seminal texts. It's not. I don't think it's a big book. It's not very big. Um, I've you know like I said I've, I've flipped through it and done a, a few things. But I mean, there are people that inexperienced engineers that will still like every you know every few years will just go front to back. It's simple. It's in Lisp. Which is maybe kind of a weird program uh, language to you, but there's there's a real beauty to actually to the simplicity of Lisp, and it, and it's just it's fascinating to learn on its own. Um, so there's actually several reasons I think that would be a great book, and it starts from I think not even assuming much programming knowledge. That's nothing that's kind of great about it. So that, and then and then there's all kinds of like software engineering topics. Um, what do you got to learn though? I mean, like I would learn the basics of patterns, maybe like get the, um, the head first design patterns book. Um, you can get the big, the big, uh, gang of gang of four book too. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, <clears throat> just understanding some of the basic patterns will, will help you. Um, it'll, it'll teach you, Oh, this is not just, a, you know, the code is not just really long methods that you, that are just, that you just cram a bunch of crap into. Right. They're actually, these really interesting moldable building blocks that you can re- you can work to that they hook together correctly like pieces of a puzzle are designed to hook together correctly and they all have an expected interface an input and output and they have their role in this thing and at least learning some i think basics of patterns would help you would help you with that um and then there's you know the things like where do you where do you learn like the um, like the solid principles and and there's like a there's a Rebecca uh, Brock book called uh, um, object design I think and it's just all about you know if you're, if you're working in an object oriented language just how do you think about it's 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 not really a pattern book but it's like how do you how do you take a problem like this thing you need to build and figure out like what are what are the objects that are going to be involved in this I don't want this to be just a big basically like C function, which is, that's, I mean, honestly, that's what you give. I mean, if you take, you know, I don't know, an average Salesforce developer and give them a problem, half the time, you, you know, you're going to get back to some kind of long um, procedural methods mm-hmm. that you can tell they just, you know, they didn't, they're, they're not using the tools that they're, that are available to them correctly. They don't really know how to, they don't know yeah. how to wield these tools correctly. 
Yeah. Um, and, and so what you end up with is, I mean, even if it's a working program that, that technically solves a problem, it's just not going to be as maintainable, not as testable. I mean, it's all really all kinds of problems with um, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, things like that. Uh, what, 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 what are the, what, what are these kind of easy, relatively easy to consume and available software engineering things? Like, like the solid stuff. Is there a book called Solid? I'm sure there is. Like one I, of these Robert, think, Mar- Robert Martin books? I, I think Robert, yeah, he covers one in his, um, he has a technical book. I forgot what it's called, but he has one that talks about solid and principles. And there's all like and the clean code things. books, but yeah. I think, I'm thinking before clean code, there was, there was some pretty good stuff. Um, so, so just look up any of the stuff by Robert Martin. Um, yeah. Pretty good um, resource. There. What's the uh, McConnell book that I haven't read in forever, but really it's a great book. Um, it's not clean code. That's uh, code, code complete. Code oh, complete. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, I don't know. That's, I w- that's not my, I would say that's not the thing to go to right now, but like eventually like pick up a used copy of that book. It'll just turn you into a better programmer. Oh, um, the pragmatic programmer, short, simple book. Um, that's one of those that, that's one of those I hear people saying, I read this every year. I don't read it every year, but I, I've, I probably read it every five years. I'll be like, I'll be going to get on a plane. That's, a, that's one of the books I always think about because it's small. When I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to get on the plane. What have I not read in a while that you're reading it? And that book always pops into my head. Yeah. The pragmatic programmer. I have way too many books I haven't read. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what's so, yeah i mean about? um I, and you know the, and it's it's a journey that you know there's no end to it so don't feel overwhelmed you don't have to do all these things we just said like go do i mean you obviously need to start with the basics you yeah know? and clean I, I, architecture by the way clean architecture okay the SICP is is probably um maybe that's a good starting point just because it i again i think it doesn't assume much about existing knowledge and it really just teaches you how to think how to think correctly yeah. in a way if that's i don't know that's kind of a reductive description of it but I recommend it. That'll just make you a better programmer. And then, and then you know, you can layer on top of that. I mean, what you'll find is if you, when you, once you have kind of have grasped these basics, you know, the basics of of computer program designs, the basics of you know just software engineering practices, um, you can layer on top of that. You'll find it's actually it comes to you much much more easily. Um, plat, different platforms, languages, whatever. Those aren't the hard part. In fact. I mean, I always say like, if, you know, if you want to hire, you know, a great Salesforce developer, mm-hmm. you want to, you need a really good developer, you know, um, for whatever reason. Um, I, I honestly would not even focus on sell, a Salesforce developer. I would go out there and find the best developer I could find. Now, someone obviously have, they have to be willing to do sell and be interested in, 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 you know, picking up Salesforce and adding it to their thing. But, um, yeah, I mean it's not it's just not that hard to teach salesforce to you know like an experienced software engineer and it's much harder to find a good software engineer than it is a salesforce developer yeah that just comes from experience i guess I don't know solving solving a lot of different problems so so here's what i want to build on what you kind of said i think first and foremost find something to enjoy about it and enjoy it and just code. I mean, you talked about being a little script kitty and so was I, and I just did stuff. I enjoyed, I goofed off and built stupid programs that I enjoyed. (laughs) They didn't go anywhere. They didn't have any business value, but I enjoyed them. Uh, I think, I think one thing that when I was reading a lot of these books is a lot of it didn't make sense at the time, or it didn't even make sense how or why I would ever use it. Um, But I found that as I tried to solve problems, 
something would look familiar or or seem familiar to something I've read or learned about, and that's when I can go back and revisit it and kind of pick at it and and you know kind of introduce it to what I'm doing. I think the danger is when you're reading a lot of these books and really reading about all these theories and everything is wanting to practice that theory right away. You, you ever had a manager who you're like, someone just read a book because now they're trying to do all oh, this yeah, stuff. Sure. You I, know, yeah, everything has a, everything, you can't new anything up. It's everything has got to be a factory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was about to use that example. Like all of a sudden everything's got to have it's a like, factory, wait, factory and extracted. Can, and, yeah. It's like, wait, all your factories can only instantiate one type of any of these things. Why are you using factories? <laughs> well, it's um, it's better abstraction. You know, it uh, keeps your code clean. Well, you didn't really understand, which is fine. <laughs> I mean, because none of us really, I mean, I don't know. I think there are some people, I, I, you know what? It's interesting. It, it tends to be people, in my experience, who are really good with like algebra, who can think like symbolically, mm-hmm. tend to be, or, or also people who are really good at like, I mean, this sounds kind of funny, but like building leg, like Legos, just, or just good at building stuff. Like they... They tend to get these concepts faster. I'm mm-hmm. kind of like medium. I'm I'm not a great learner when it comes to all uh, this real symbolics type stuff. And so, I mean, I'm the, I was a guy that like I had to read the pattern book, and then I had to read it again. Yeah, and then I had to read it again. <laughs> and even then, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, why am I not get? You know, there's just certain things, and I have to just remind myself or rethink through why why this why why did I use this pattern or why. Why might I use this? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it now because it's going to, you know, because I need to, you know, the, the things that use this need to need to not care about what family of objects it is. They just need to know that these objects, you know, there's going to be multiple families, but they all inter, 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 uh, implement a certain interface or whatever, you know, there's, right. or whatever. And and the more you, again, the more you understand that stuff, you, you end up with, you're actually, end up, you're using this tool better, this tool called, again, I'm assuming you're doing like Apex or something, but this tool called object-oriented programming. Um, just now the new hotness. I mean, object-oriented programming now is like the lamest thing ever, and everyone's moved on to functional, <laughs> which technically kind of goes back to the SICP book. I mean, th- except that now people you. are trying to make functional act like object-oriented programming. So, well, and like, <laughs> I mean, the hottest languages now, a lot of them are kind of multi-paradigm, like yeah. Scala and Kotlin, and um, even, even things like C Sharp have g- gained a ton of functional aspects to to them. To where I mean, I, I think. I would consider C sharp just from what I know about it um, to be a kind of definitely a fairly strong functional. So certainly a what, what I call what what's called multi multi paradigm is yeah, what you use. Yeah, thank you. I so, pay attention. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised. You always say I'm clicking. Yeah, so I mean that that would be my my advice is that you know read through it. Don't feel bad if you don't understand any of it the first pass. Know that you're going to come back and revisit it and keep it in the back of your brain and. As you're solving problems, maybe go back and read it again and see if something pops up as something you can use. Because honestly, that's what that's what it's done for me. Is I have these books either electronically or in paper, and yeah, I'll revisit them every so often. Some just out of you know for reading enjoyment, if you could say that. And other times, just because I'm having trouble solving a problem, it's nice to go back and read something and try to get some new perspective on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I. I Started out coding because I liked it. I liked being able to do stuff with it, and I liked being able to create something and make a sound or make an animation or make a make data show up somewhere, or move it somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think that's what I'd start with, and then once you get that down, then I would you know next steps are things like figure out what your tools are and learn your tools really well. I mean, if yeah. you're on a if you know if you're on a computer that has <clears throat> a bash 
interpreter, you know, learn the learn the terminal really well. Learn, you know, the basics of Bash in your system. You'll you can do. I mean, people that are like these, and I, you know, again, I, I feel like I'm a like a terminal um, uh, novice. Uh, yeah, I guess kind of novice compared. Because if you're a novice at terminal, then I'm I'm like baby. Well, I, you I know, know, as soon as I start thinking I'm pretty good at something, like I'll see some someone just like solve the most ridiculous problem by like piping together like these six really simple Unix things and and they have got every parameter memorized and all that stuff and meanwhile I'm like okay I gotta look up the man page on what those parameters are because I don't I don't remember these <laughs> like I you know I, I know enough to kind of get know I, I've got my go-to things I've got like mm-hmm. you know a handful of go-to things and then I know how to go I know what most of the utilities are and then I know how to like go find out how to how to what the you know command is or whatever. So See, you're, you're better than I'm me. dangerous. I'm dangerous. You know, I have to I have to explore and go. Is it is it command dash question mark command question mark command help? <laughs> That's the level I'm at yeah. where I'm I'm always trying to find the help menus so I can figure out what my commands are. And I do. I mean, like, there's times been times when like I'm, I'm working on with um, um, like you know a bunch of data, like or maybe it's a giant log file or some kind of csv thing and i can do things in a terminal with you know with bash and a posix compliant you know os that i just don't even think and that's of course this is before windows got bash and some of the in power probably powershell but like you just people on windows couldn't do mm-hmm. just can't do these things um you know like when you know you've got a 25 gig csv file go you know have fun opening that notepad or whatever as i can like <laughs> You know, I can um, kind of grab and reverse and pipe it to and get and get a you know get a tail or a head or whatever, yeah. which are extremely efficient. You know, and then and then pipe that into my text editor, or whatever. And then and just again, there's things like how would you how would you even do that on Windows? I don't know. I mean, of course, again, this was like Windows ten years ago. Windows has gotten to be a somewhat more acceptable, I think, developer mm-hmm. machine. Yeah, these days. So what about languages? I mean, what if if you had to start with a language, would you start with say an Apex, or would you try to go for, uh, or would you recommend going for JavaScript? So if is this in the context of I want to do Salesforce development? I think so. Honestly, I'd probably start with JavaScript because there's so much out there. There's so many ways to learn it, and it's you know it's you can get a crap load done nowadays with Salesforce development without having to do anything other than you know. Of course, I'm assuming that. You're gonna to have to also know like HTML and at least mm-hmm. the basics, yeah. And CSS. That was gonna be my point. Is that in the Venn diagram of Salesforce development of just you know web application development and Salesforce development, JavaScript, HTML, CSS is kind of in that middle. But having said that, I think knowing Apex kind of makes you the most useful. I mean, you can write triggers, you can do all kinds of you know business logic and everything in the back end and. In order to work with your lightning components, you still have to do a fair bit of fair amount of apex. So I feel like you can't really have one with the out the, out the other. You might kind of try to balance it out and try to learn a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. I, I think you asked me which one first, and so I, I picked. You know, I, I assume I did. I, I did. I answer like and I was just things. kind of building on that, saying, okay. you know, as I think through that, you know. I agree. I think JavaScript is probably the better language to learn first, but I think if, in terms of your wanting to be a Salesforce developer, it might not be as simple as just picking a language. You might have to kind of That's have true. your toes in a little bit no, of both. You're, you're, yeah. I mean, if you're going to be a well-rounded 
I mean, yeah, a well-rounded professional Salesforce developer, you get, there's a, really a lot of things you got to know. Yeah. But don't be overwhelmed by that. Just start with something, you know, because yeah. again, it's a journey. People, you know, you know, people that are good at this never stop learning. They never stop wanting to get better. Yeah. yeah there, I mean, in this field and probably tons of other professions, there's always someone better. <laughs> oh, sure. No matter how good you think you are, there's always someone better. I mean, it's just, yeah. there's, uh, for example, I'm better than you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, Except when it's my code. That's a clown question, bro. <laughs> I'm going to start displaying things now, John. Really? Yeah. Because I, like I, I have Farago open here. They said in, on Twitter that they they are look they that search is on their um, what do you call it roadmap. I have a whole. This isn't even everything. I've got an entire board of Benioff. Those are the best ones, I think. Makes them part of the show. Yeah, <laughs> I've never really read a book on computer science. See, it's a, don't you don't want to follow that example? <laughs> Why not? He never read a book on computer science. Uh, Gates never graduated college. Uh, Dell, Michael Dell, never graduated college. <laughs> yeah. Who else? Who else we got that is uh, the? Didn't Larry Ellison not uh, graduate? Didn't Zuckerberg quit? Yeah, as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That worked out okay for him, I would say. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Aside from having to testify in front of Congress, but that's a different matter. Who's the? Who's like this richest guy now? Oh, is it the Google? Bezos? Bezos, yeah, yeah. He's such a weirdo. He is a weirdo. The more I learn about him, the, the less I want to know about him. <laughs> and he can hear and see everything that happens in your house. And he knows pretty much everything about you. Not anymore. I unplugged it. Still knows everything about you. I know. Oh, so I, I wanted to, to talk about something. Um, normally, my go-to for really quick kind of data migrations is a, is a quick access database. Because <laughs> I can just load that a CSV. So disgusting, John. And I can do what a couple of joins. running Windows on your Mac Hold on a VM or something? Hold on. It's just gross. Well, that is what you, I do. You have to shower after this. Oh, that's the best setup. <laughs> no, it's not. Running VMware and have Windows in the background. Yeah, it's the way to <sighs> so, do it. So awesome. You're right. You get, you get it's. I'm it's so a, it's jealous a of that. Threesome of technology. Is a twosome of technology? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, I found my new alternative because <laughs> I didn't have access on my work uh, machine anymore. Postgres. Actually, what I did is I I use um, uh, SQLite and mm. um, just the the data loader. Yeah, is what I ended up doing. Mm. Uh, SQLite, I, it was the first time I was using it, and surprisingly, it was really easy to pick up. I mean, there's a lot of good commands. There, some of the commands are kind of weird in the way you use them, but it had good commands. It had coalesce functions. It had, uh, I believe, all the fil all the joining syntax by default is case-sensitive, so that was something I had to learn. I think with SQL, it's the opposite. I don't know about MySQL, but I know I usually have to tell it whether to be case-sensitive or not on those joins, but it was there. Um, I had a lot of, you know, left grabbing so i could manipulate the data a little bit and do my joins the way i needed to and spit out some data in csv it was really a pleasant experience i you enjoyed know, it for just being basically a, a library single yeah. is pretty amazing yeah um and for that purpose which you had here which is i just need to do some developer-y stuff on my local machine i need to just manipulate a bunch of data where you yeah. do like a data migration or some one of these things or something yeah, it was like, like a salesforce <laughs> a salesforce thing i had a couple of files yeah. sent to me i was like hey we just need this tossed in there and I you're was like, like you know like i don't want to I don't want to try to do this in a in a just disgusting VLOOKUP mess that's not going to be Yeah, gonna that's exactly yeah, what it was. Yeah. I didn't want to open up Excel or whatever and do VLOOKUPs and everything. I, I want my database. <laughs> yeah, And I, I was also you know, doing tests. If it's, and a, tests if it's a thousand records, that's one thing. But when it's when it's a lot of, when it's way more records than that, yeah. hundreds of thousands or millions, and, and when you're doing, when you need actually more types of joins and things. Then, right, because this would be, so yeah. take task is a perfect example of why I did this, is that you have 
you have the polymorphism of the field of the what and the who IDs. And then you have the owner. Of the what, what? The what, what, and the who, who. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the owner. So those are, those are three objects. Why are you talking about your who? Well, actually, there's four. <laughs> I had to join to accounts, contacts, opportunities on the what and the who's. Yeah. And so, and, and because it was SQLite and I could do the, I could do a coalesce function, I could just say, okay, grab join, outer join to the account, outer join to the contact, outer join, and then do a coalesce to the actual what ID field. What is coalesce? It picks the first non null value in oh, your list. Okay. So yeah. I could just say, look at these three fields and pick the one that's not null first. Yeah, that's actually a super useful oh, it's function. Super awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to do like nested, like is nulls or whatever they right, are. Right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's super useful for that function. I also recommend, I'll keep saying this, we need, whether, regardless of what database you're working with, um, use the IntelliJ, that, their whole data, data tools. I mean, it's just really great. It's gotten really good. I, I used to pay $600 a year, whatever it is, for like this one I used to use, and IntelliJ is just, I don't have to do that anymore. You have to show me that, because I've not explored their data tools oh at all. Oh my gosh. Okay. I mean, I, I use this, the query, the little query thing that, that's in Illuminate Cloud, but. Yeah, they're no, they're they're pretty amazing, like really good. So will it connect to my SQLite file? The, yeah. The oh, only yeah. the only problem with the SQLite file is you have to know how to use it. Like if if it's an empty file, nothing happens with that file until you create a table in it. It's kind of weird. It's just like this file. It's a zero k file. And that was a bit of a learning curve because I was like, I created a file. Why can't I do anything with it? Or why can't I attach to it or anything? But you have to create a file first before it actually becomes a SQLite file. Yeah. I mean one one. Um... One thing to keep in mind about SQLite, it is it is amazing, and I, I got, yeah, I have no problem with how you're using it at all. I I'm, I go to, I have a uh, my go to is Postgres just because it's already on my machine. Mm -hmm. Like if I didn't already have something like SQLite, it's super easy just to get started, right? I mean Postgres is too nowadays, especially with Docker lightweight containers. But um, SQLite super easy. Um, there, again, I use Postgres because I already have it, and I'm just more I'm already familiar with its. SQL syntax, you mm -hmm. know, because they're all a little different, yeah. you know, and like, and and these different databases have different like um, different syntaxes for all kinds of, but like there's different functions also that are available. I mean, some of them are standardized. Like, there's the standardized portions, but I mean, all of these databases have, you know, there's the standard, and then there's like all their custom stuff yeah. that the standard doesn't cover. Right. And and I'm just more familiar with Postgres, so that's that's always my go-to. But yeah, either. So I mean, SQL, that's amazing. Oh, I think what I was going to say was keep in mind, SQL, SQL <laughs> wow. You know who I just <laughs> sounded like? What if I can find this? Um, gosh, I'm not going to find this. I, I thought I saw it earlier. Vamp for me, John. Uh, we got some news coming in. Oh, keep in mind. That's, that's what reminded <laughs> me of this. Keep in mind, these aren't real journalists, wow. Richard. They're tech Why did journalists. I, I don't know. That, that was so weird. I said it just like him. Keep in mind. It's same like the same cadence and everything. Weird, weird. Anyway, um, it, it's optimized. SQLite is optimized for incredibly small environments. I mean, like things, computers that are as big as your thumbnail, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's designed to be able to run on those. So it's going to do things that you're like, weird. Why is it doing this zero K file? Well, it's just probably because it's just like so incredibly optimized. It's like it's what it's it's doing the absolute minimal it can in order to accomplish what you're telling it to do. Yeah, and that's that's when I first heard about SQLite was when I was trying to find just a, an embedded database to stick in an application. And I was kind of reviewing all these databases and everything I came across SQLite. I hadn't used it, but it was on my list. And then when I needed this setup, I was like, I need, I need a really quick and fast, dirty database just so I can do some joins. And 
No, I used it and I got it done. Yep. I was happy. Nice. That's cool. Um, I don't, do we, uh, let's officially close the community input segment and thank, um, what was the person's name for their Brandon, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon, for that input. That was a good question. And it, it gave us, uh, like 20 minutes of content. <laughs> yeah. Your check will be in the mail. Um, but also, uh, for all you other listeners out there, uh, please, if you've got uh, a question for us that we can discuss, like we discussed Brandon's question, or you want to just vent or complain about us or whatever, we're more than happy to read it and just talk about it in the air. You just have to send an email to info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. And uh, we will not use your name unless you explicitly give us permission. That's mm-hmm. our that's our policy, just to be overprotective of our of our community. Because um, we know some people don't want to be associated with Jeremy Ross and his, and his views. And I don't blame them, and that's probably a smart <laughs> career decision. <laughs> uh, we have some um, some real-time news happening here, John. Yeah, I figured you'd, you'd get okay. into that. So this comes in from uh, Mr. Liddell. Uh, so I guess we, we, we're now, we can now actually talk about this, this year's extracurricular, yep. which again will be, um, will be happening uh, coincidentally with uh, Trailhead DX. Correct. Co, uh, co-terminus, co-location, and coincidentally. Is that, all, is that all valid, John? I don't know. You disagree with any of those? Okay. <laughs> um, all I know is that, is that we get to do the extracurricular so, again. So I guess the big news is if you're going to DX or if you're thinking about it, we are looking for speakers for, for the extracurricular. And, and just to get a, a quick description and uh, this is always a hard, this is a hard thing to describe but it's essentially the the idea of the extracurricular it's it's um instead of being a you know run designed in whatever by salesforce itself this is kind of conceptualized you know designed run and put on and contributed and, and participated by by the community right mm-hmm. by all of us you know that are doing our clickety clackities and our and our pointy clickies right and um and so and it's in you know at least last year and this year sound like you know it's in conjunction with salesforce we're kind of partnering with him like hey we want to do this community thing would you like us to do it at your thing i mean we yeah we still want to control it we don't want you to really tell us what to do but we're more than happy to do it here and and so that's what this is so we're looking for speakers um I think it sounds like the format's the same. So, you know, it's kind of long form talks. So about 45 minutes. And we, and I think we definitely are into the, you know, we want live, a live presentation, live demo, mm-hmm. like something really interesting you built. Um, Get into and, the nitty gritty. Yeah, into the nitty gritty. Because these or, are, you know, this is going to be a lot of, I, I think it tends to be a, a really technical crowd um, that's interested in this stuff. And, and that's also, I think, part of the ethos, maybe, or the idea behind extracurricular is to get into really nerdy details right in a way that that um, a 30 30 minute presentation at dreamforce doesn't let you do yeah or even worse like you know the 15 minute or, yeah. or, or whatever and it's not it's, it's not that none of those talks get into it but that that's what this thing is all about right um there's also the quick talks so these like interstitial mm-hmm. talks are between the 45 minute ones um but kind of like lightning talks i guess they're five minutes no slide no slides oh that's interesting and there's no Q and A, so it's it's really kind of a lightning thing. Yeah, no slides. So again, real quick, and and that's interesting. If you've built something that you don't like, you don't think you could give a forty five minute talk on because it's just not big enough or not interesting enough, or you just don't want to do it. Or maybe it's your first time speaking. It's, you exactly. want some experience. Yeah, you're, yeah, you you don't have a lot of speaking experience. So like you're more way more comfortable with I you know I can do a, I'm pretty sure I can do a five minute talk right. Um, 
those slots are available too. And if you think about it, you can do a five minute talk. Yeah, and so also raise think, your hand. And and we actually, I, I think it's okay for me to say this. We like um, first time. This is a good opportunity for first time speakers for the five minute talks. I think for the forty five minute talks, you probably don't want that to be your first talk. Probably not. Um, but for the five minute talk, I mean, I, I think yeah. I mean, if if you know. If you don't have a lot of exp speaking experience and this is just something that you're like, hey, I, I know I can do five minutes and that'll help me to get more comfortable speaking, then I think, I think this is going to ride up your alley. Um, again, it takes place at DX and it's, again, DX is in Moscone, probably Moscone West again, I would imagine, one of the Moscones. But we'll have some kind of dedicated area. Last year it was a theater. I don't know if it's, or not a theater. It was a, what do you a call theater. it? Is that a theater? Yeah. So theaters, yeah, that's just kind of like this open space. I just as it's kind of next to the big corridors as people are walking by, yeah. but it, you know, but there's tons of chairs set up and it's like a, but it's in a, it's, it's just open. You know, it's not in a room. It's not in a closed off room. Right. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the format this year. I don't think we know yet. So, I mean, I say for We just know that we'll have a dedicated area. We'll have some it. kind of dedicated area. It might be a big room. It might be a theater again. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it matters that much, you know, as far as whether or not you want to be a speaker or not. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Um, anyway, uh, check our Slack for details as they're coming up. Do we have a, probably in the con conversation conversations, conversations channel? Yeah. We'll probably be releasing more information. Yeah, and the, and the quick talk, again, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with the, the slack here. But quick, the quick talk is the idea is like, just like, you show something cool. It's like something cool that you built it. You know, the other admin and programmer nerds will be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, or something that you've done for your users, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah. And, and, you know, I would say for those quick talks, it, it doesn't necessarily, I would say it doesn't necessarily have, not, not everything has to be some super nerdy thing. If you're an admin, and you piece together some lightning components and built this really cool thing for your users and like you want to show it off like let us know like definitely submit that i mean um anyway there's there's benefits uh, if you're a speaker you get i think you get a pass a, t a, t a trailhead pass which is nice i've already i've already uh i don't know maybe i maybe i'll be a, a speaker of some sort so i can get mine comped <laughs> you can do a five minute do the do the five minutes get a tdx pass or only the long forms that we'll have to clarify I, that. I, I, i'm not sure Anyway, um, yeah, check check out our Slack for more information. Uh, John, for the people who, for some reason, are listening to this podcast right now that are that are not members of our Slack team, how would they become members of the Slack team? Well, first of all, they might need to go to the doctor and find out why they're so crazy for not <laughs> being in it already. Yeah. <laughs> maybe do a, maybe do a sleep study. There, John. <laughs> maybe do a sleep study. I'm trying. I know. I'm trying. I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm trying. I know. Uh, go to gooddaysirpodcast.com forward slash community or just go to gooddaysir.com, gooddaysirpodcast.com, <laughs> click on community, and uh, it'll ask for your email address. That goes directly to me. I don't uh, do anything but add you manually to Slack because that's the way it works, and then I delete your email. Cool. Well, that's DX. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I Yeah, I, I need to start thinking about really yeah. quickly if i want to do some kind of talk my, my problem is just time i'm i'm basically involved in a startup business that is all consuming can i propose a talk for you i thought you're gonna get down on your knee for a second I'm like no we're already married i have the key card to show it <laughs> yeah that's true john ross <laughs> uh i think you should do a five a five minute quick talk and show your private blog <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're gonna, no you're one gonna be really disappointed when you find out that that doesn't actually exist. 
I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm thinking it's locked in keys. It's, it's, probably, got like, it's, it's probably got like just <laughs> massive amounts of wisdom that like make your head explode and it's just hidden uh, away. If only that were true. <laughs> uh, no, it's just a series of Evernotes, John. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Now I can hack your Evernote account. All right. All right. Well, back to, back to topics. Um, Salesforce turned 20, John, uh, last Friday. Well, no, they just celebrated last Friday. They, it was like in February, wasn't it? I, I read. I read it was February uh, 1999, was it? I, know, I just read it. They turned Friday, the uh, last Friday, or turned 20 last Friday. I could be wrong. I don't know. Because it was, it was the same article that talked about the, this co founder guy being back. What's his name? Um, shit, I forgot his name. I didn't write it down. Dave McAuliffe or McKellen or something like that. Yeah. yeah. What do you make of that? I, I read one of these articles. We talked about it last week. I know, but it's just. But it you didn't in, let me talk about it because you hadn't read it yet. And That's it was also, why. what was in the. There was a new art. I think was it TechCrunch. Someone covered it. It's new. Um, so I don't know. It used to be the chief scientist. So maybe it's not news. I mean, maybe it's this is something. Yeah, I, I you know my 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 take on it was that given the way they described his role as being this kind of looking back at what they've done and where they've gotten to and some secret project and words like innovation and all that kind of be disruption being tossed around, it could be just just him focusing on what's the next big thing and what's going to transform the platform. Who knows. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, my thought. Is it's it's something more exploratory, more more R and D in nature than he was chief scientist, which I didn't realize last week when we talked about that. I, I didn't know that he was when he was chief scientist. What, is, what what do you think that means? He's uh, got some like when it's some, when it's you and four of the guys in an apartment. Your, your title can be chief of the no, world. Here's what I picture: some you're in a lab, mm-hmm. you got some Bunsen burners and some some graduated cylinders and and Erlenmeyer flasks and. What else? Beakers? Oh, you got can't What do they call beakers. that static machine? The oh, what's it called? <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, what gotta is have that? one of That's those. That's a Tesla. No, the Tesla not, coil. Is it? Yeah. Is yeah. Um, no, but uh, and I and I picture like you know different colored fluids with like that are that have all this smoke coming off of them and mixing stuff and sounds like the place to be. <laughs> I know that's. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the decor of my office to be that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna wear a lab coat every time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you have to. <clears throat> a smock. Anyway. All right. Well, next. Um, this case came up in the Slack over the past week. Just um, some people that were. I think, I think this context was like running batch jobs or something, but they had you know basically what Salesforce calls a gack. Oh yeah. Um, occurred in in this batch job and. <clears throat> So what a, is it a coincidence it that it rhymes so with yak? I don't know. I don't even know if it stands for anything. Probably doesn't. <laughs> we could we could make it a backronym. Let's we should. You know what? Let's let's work on that this week. Figure out. Let's let's figure out what gak stands for. Go and I was going to say kill, but there's a C there, isn't there? Yeah. Is it G A C K? Yeah. Guaranteed a cluster. Too bad it's not called a gaff, but. <laughs> Uh, so it could be go and find your badges. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so a GAC for for those of you who haven't been fortunate enough to, <clears throat> to discover this, which means you haven't done any work on the Salesforce platform, um, <clears throat> is essentially like an unhandled exception by Salesforce. Something that they didn't handle, didn't even know to handle, and it you know you get just this you know you get the white screen of death with the GAC some GAC number, right? And the problem as a developer mm-hmm. on the Salesforce platform, whether you are doing the declarative development or the programmatic development, is th- it doesn't tell you anything. And, and 
I would say kind of rightfully so because by definition, Salesforce didn't, they don't really, I mean, they didn't expect this problem. They don't really know what's going on. I mean, I, they, they can figure out what's going on. I mean, I mean the, when the system was put together, like when they, when they were, you know, coding it and assembling this thing, like they didn't, they didn't write code or, or anything to cover what just happened. Mm-hmm. And so they can't just like, so they don't have a nice message for you because they didn't prepare for this. And, and the only thing they possibly could do would be show you a stack trace, right. which the problem with that is it reveals too much information about the infrastructure and it's a security problem. Right. So fair enough. Like they can't, they can't tell you what happened. But the problem is that, you know, if I'm a developer on this platform and I'm, you know, and your platform is the greatest metadata driven fourth industrial revolution surviving platform or whatever, you know, um, I promise I can't get my work done. And this is supposed to be this great platform. And well, so what do you do? Well, hopefully you know someone who has access to the GAC database or whatever can look it up for you. That's what a lot of people do who are well-connected in this space. That's, yeah, if you're one of those people, you know, congratulations. Or if you're in the Slack community, maybe, I don't know, someone might help you out. You never know. That would be the good day, sir, Slack. Not just any Slack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, the, the, the official route is you create a case with Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And, and here's where the problem continues to get worse. The story gets worse, right? right? You create a case and you say, hey, you know, um, all I did was like try to run my batch job, which compiled and all the tests passed, like you told me to do it, right? And I'm getting this GAC. And I have no idea what to change. And maybe I can change something to work around some bug or whatever, some limitation. I just don't, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I don't know what to do. I can't see the stack trace. I can't even begin to guess at what the problem is. Right. So you put in your, you put in your case and uh, you get a response back, you know, maybe a day later because you don't have premier support because you don't have that level of privilege in your life. And you get a response back from support that says, oh, um, this is a developer problem. You need to uh, visit the developer forums, case closed. Okay. Well, the developer forums can't help you. Well, I mean, maybe so. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some private messages you and says, hey, I can help you with that. But I don't really think that happens very much. I, I, that's not, I don't think that's going to work out for you very well. It might. I don't know. So the other thing you can do is, I, I guess, or the common thing to do, because this is, that's probably the, resp- probably the response you're going to get. Um, the thing you can do is you can then escalate that case. And maybe you can pre-escalate when you put it and you can say, hey, can I just like pre-escalate this? Because I know it's a developer thing, but this actually, it's a Salesforce bug, not I a... I don't think you can pre-escalate. Yes, yeah, I don't either. Because yeah. the problem that, you know, that these people found is like, they're like, well, I'm trying to escalate, but I don't see the escalate button. Right. Well, it turns, turns out you have to wait two days, I guess probably after the case is created, or maybe after, before you get, after it's closed, maybe, I'm not sure. Two days after something, but a minimum of two days before the escalate button appears on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can escalate it, which that's, that's nice. But the minute they can, this whole problem of like, and so now you're minimum, minimum two days before you can continue to try to get your job done. And this is again. This is a. This is actually a big problem. But it's 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 a problem that's existed since for forever. And I know, and it's when, like, when it comes to developers, support. and it's like, wh- am I taking crazy pills? I mean, it's or, it's, it's part of the lingo to to have a or part of the mode of operation to have a client log a case and not mention that there's custom code when there's a certain problem that shows up yeah. because as soon as they hear custom code and partner or implementation or something. They kick it back. So what do you say? Here's a here's the, the unhandled exception number that I got. 
Can I have the stack trace, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, other avenues of uh, for those that don't aren't connected is is you work with your client, or if you are the client, to work with your AE, make some noise, try to get to another tier of level support, and, and, again, and get it escalated. Th- this is this is a real problem for the Salesforce platform because this is this is like. Again, if it wasn't the fact that your VP of sales is one that got you guys on Salesforce, like you, you would not have picked this platform if that is the route you go to solve every little problem you have. If that's what if that's what happens every time there's some little problem, I, I, I mean, problems like this are going to happen. It's it's a it's a system with code and bugs are going to be introduced and errors are going to happen. I think where the problem is is that there's never been true developer support from Salesforce. It's always been. A community thing. That's why they send you to the forums. That's why they send you to Stack Exchange and wherever else, and the good days are Slack, wherever. Because um, there's just never been really strong support from them on the developer side, which yeah. is it's it's odd. And and every year that goes by, they keep touting you don't need a developer, you don't need a developer, and it just seems like there's the development okay, side is just that's not a, a whole, focus. That's a whole we could spend. You know, we've talked about that before, and that's a, that's a whole topic. In True, itself. but if if Salesforce ever wanted to to say, hey, we see value in the development community, and we really we want to start touting that or we want to start bringing that up, they would give us developer support. That would be the first thing they could do. Yeah. And I, it seems but, like there, it seems like this is, um, if this is a, I feel like this is a solvable problem and it's just weird that it hasn't happened yet. I mean, there should be something where like when you got a developer, what is it? It's not developer.force.com anymore. It's I guess developer.salesforce.com. And when you go there, there should be a thing where you can paste in your GAC ID and someone will get back to you pretty quickly. Plain I, and simple. I mean, I this mean, is how, people are, people are paying a lot of money for this platform, and there's no. I mean, I've I've done plenty of work in, on Heroku and AWS stuff and Elastic Beanstalk and whatever, and I really have not had this issue where the the platform you're you're developing on somewhat regularly craps its pants, and there's no way for you to get past it. There's no way for you to figure out what's going on. I don't know that it regularly crops his pants. Oh my but, god! I mean, it happens. I mean, gags are just a—it's just a—it's a part <clears> of—it's <throat> part of life as a Salesforce developer. I don't know. I mean, I've—I've mean, I've, I mean, se- I've seen my fair share, but yeah. it's not like it it's, happens like on a daily basis. It's, no, but it's—it's it's, it, no. I would. Agree. And sometimes I, it might coincide with some kind of release or something. Sure, and I'm like, sure. yeah, I see a gag. Yep. We just had a release. I expect. And to sometimes, see a if you wait a week, it goes away. If you have the luxury of waiting a week, good for you. Congratulations. But a lot of times I'm like I'm trying to get something deployed, or I'm running in a super important like this batch shop this person was running. It sounded like it was important, and I've got you know I'm just thinking of a client I have right now that they they have batch jobs that are just absolutely critical that they run and run correctly. And I, if this happened, I mean it'd be it'd be a four alarm fire, all hands on deck. Like get everyone you know from Salesforce on the phone. We got to get we got to fix this now, you know. And that just and the the problem is again I feel like there's something that Salesforce can solve and. You know, there's just this whole case. This whole case thing is not. So how do other how do other platforms handle this type of developer support? I mean, what what is it that we're looking for? So first of all, I I honestly, honestly haven't seen where on other platforms where this this type of thing happens like this. And I think the I mean, reason done, for that is because it's it's like I've done I've deployed Ruby and Java projects. Right, to but Heroku. you have access to the source code. You have access to pretty much all the bits, and you're you're in control of the logs. I, it's weird, yeah, because they're. Like you know, so Heroku is a platform. 
and you're running on their stack. So I mean, I don't know. There, there is a but lot. But they're just of, providing you CPU. No, well, no, no, no. They're not. Yeah, that's, they that's, do some value that's like, add. Yeah, yeah. a lot. There's a lot of value at, at Heroku. And honestly, I mean, things do go wrong. Like they're, but they're they're usually in the. So you know, Heroku puts together a really well known, well tested stack that you run your stuff on, and they automate the deployment. You know, the pl- deployment of your code. You know, the the management of the you know, the stack and the dynos and, and the, the load balancer and all this stuff, right? That's what they're doing. And so if, if you get some exception at runtime, it's either going to be in your code or it's, it's going to be, it's going to show up. You're going to, you're going to, it's going to, um, it, maybe it's, maybe there's a bug in, in rails or there's a bug in some kind of Java thing you're doing. Well, it's going to be in your log file. You got the full stack. You got the full stack trace. Mm-hmm. You can figure out what it is. So that's why it's just not a, it's like, it's not a, the same kind of problem. It's a problem that you've got the tools and information to to work through. Right. Now, I mean, because I, and I, I can't even think of an example where I've had a problem in the, like I've, I've, I've hit a bug, like the, a show-stopping bug in the Heroku service itself. It's always something in, I mean, every time I've, you know, have, I've had runtime issues or whatever, or issues getting stuff deployed, it's always something either in my code or the, the the stack of things that show up in my st- in my stack trace in my log file. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out you said my I know. Just, just had to I, had, I had to have somewhat distinguish between <laughs> the thing that I built and the and the thing and the and the bits underneath it and in the stack that I'm running on top of. Right. So yeah, it's, it's just a different thing. I mean, yeah. and Salesforce is such a high level platform that you don't. It is because I assume once your code gets compiled, it's somehow intermingled with all their proprietary code, and so the the logging and the stack tracing would just expose way too much. Like when a Java exception happens, you know, the stack trace goes all the way to like main, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in Apex code, it doesn't. It goes. To, it just stays within your code. So if, right. some, if some gag happens, like you don't see what you don't see what happened. So I don't know. I just feel like there should be a, a thing where you could paste in the gag ID and. Because if you're if someone went to the developer.salesforce.com and pasted in the GAC ID, it's because they really need to know what the hell happened. Yeah. And if there's just a salesperson, salesperson who, you know, I don't know, couldn't convert a lead or something. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's not fair. I mean, if it's just a low priority thing, it's not that big of a deal. But like, you know, if someone takes the time to paste that ID in and submit it to you, you know, they they need an answer. They need to figure out how to get past this. Yeah, I'd probably agree to quickly being able to provide certain information on things like that. I do have a kind of different opinion on developer support because I, I just I just know that there's a lot of developers who don't do the due diligence. Oh, sure. And I've seen it when, and, uh, I've, I've, yeah. mainly from personal experience with my blog and doing, you know, tutorials and things on there and just have people who are copying and pasting my code and then going, it didn't work. <laughs> Your code doesn't work. It yeah, didn't compile. Because yeah, right. when I first started writing for my blog, I just did pseudocode. I didn't intend for it to be compiled. I was just saying, here's this, this, and this. And then when I started getting a bunch of feedback, I started writing compilable code. And that was my mistake. Because we were copying and pasting. Right. Like, if I, if I don't put it on Git, then I don't intend for you to copy and paste that code. If it's just in my blog only, I'm don't copy and paste that. On, you do, again, you sound like my dad. On, I didn't put it on Git. And put it on, if I didn't put it on the internet, yeah. on the internets. Yeah. <laughs> what, no, how do people say that? Interwebs. Yeah, on, on the interwebs. Internets, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I think something can be done about this. Because it, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of a problem. I mean, it's just, it's, um, how do you, I don't know. It seems not acceptable. It, it does kind of suck that we have to play those games as developers and try to hide the fact, 
hide what's custom code because we know that that's not the issue. However, I have had egg on my face and go, and it's not my code. And it turns out it was my code. No, no. Here's the problem, though. You may have been doing something incorrect with your code, mm-hmm. but the fact that there was a gag is still a Salesforce bug. No, I just mean in developer support you, you in general. You follow what I'm saying, though? I, I do, but I, I do mean in developer support in general because, I mean, how many cases would they get with someone saying with, with, with crappy code that, that if you, someone like you and I would look at and go, yeah, that, that's probably not going to work most of the time or it's not going to scale yeah. Who would just who would just log a case and say it's your system when well, it's not? Yeah, I mean it's it's different if I'm logging a case and saying, hey, I just you know I can't get I can't figure out how to get this code compiled. I can't figure out where to put the final curly bracket. That's that's different because that's user error. We're t- I'm talking about things that are purely not user error. Yeah, and I'm, I'm you, just if, trying if, to draw the difference because when a, we talk about developer support, there are th- there are certain types of developer support where I'm having some weird issue. I think it's a bug. Yeah. I've done everything I can to try to reproduce, and I send that up to Salesforce and. It has to go through all the layers, and I have to explain it like a hundred different times, and that's really annoying. And that's at the same time, yeah. I can understand because yeah. they do have to vet that stuff. I, I totally agree. I mean, and, and there's no way. I mean, Salesforce. You know, again, they're they're already they're trying to they're trying to they're trying to make some money here. You know, in a, <laughs> and true. support is very expensive. And yeah. you know, imagine you have five million developers, right? Yeah, <laughs> we do. You know, how do you support five million developers? That's tough. You certainly can't offer them all, you know, can't hold their, hold their hands and offer them all phone support and everything. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, but again, a GAC is absolutely a, a failure. It's, an, it's, a, it's, it's a bug in the platform. And I can't, you know, it's like... I, I, can't, I would I, agree I, with I, that. Again, I, 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 think I have that, zero tools to solve this by myself. Yeah. I, I have to have support. I, I do I think have that to have someone from Salesforce tell me what the hell happened here, so I know what to avoid. So I I can route around that bug. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think in those instances you should be able to log a case and flag it as a GAC error and paste the error in and yeah, or the code in or whatever. It Again, was I and, think there should be a really low friction. I don't think I don't even think you should have a have to have a case. I think there should be a, some form where you paste a GAC ID in and you put your email address in or something and. I mean, well, just, just to now keep it easy for everyone. To people. I, I just think, to keep I think, it easy for everyone. Keep it easier for the developer and keep it easy for Salesforce support. Well, a case is the easiest, and now now you have you have something oh, to God, talk I don't to. Know. Then I got I got to figure out how to who's who's uh, who's org do I log this case in under, and then you know all the all the ceremony around logging a case. Did you did you enable login access? What's your org ID? I mean, just all this, <laughs> and maybe they need that. I don't know, but like there's there's some ceremony around logging yeah. case that I feel is. Um, very high friction. It's like that's a lot of that's a lot of friction just for me searching. That's for true, a bug. but if you're trying to solve a problem, you don't have all the information. How, how that's true. You? Well, maybe. And I'm just thinking, you know, if you give them a GAC, at least they can they can go look at the stack trace, and they can probably tell you, or they can they can at least send you like a, a safe part of the thing, mm-hmm. and and you can oftentimes. I mean, I can usually like I, I feel like ninety percent of the time when I've gotten the stack trace from a GAC, I can I um okay I think I can tell what's happening here. Like it's parsing the string and not expecting a th- this thing I did or who knows like there's some yeah you know I can usually figure it out can I can I uh can I segue into saying it's not just Salesforce that gives you that problem sure <laughs> my story on my car yeah I had a service engine oh, light come on yeah. I took it to the dealership by the time I got there the service engine light came off it turned off and I was turned away because they have they they supposedly have no idea how to figure yeah. out what was wrong when the light was on. Is there not a log file? Apparently not. Now, given my car is over ten years old, yeah. so but it still doesn't have like a sixteen they, megabyte it didn't, memory it, chip. When, with, when they were talking to me, they they 
they said that as if it was like a normal thing, like all cars, none of them have a log. It wasn't like, oh, your model's an, your model's an 06. Um, yeah, that, that model doesn't keep a log. It, it was just like, no, if it's not yeah. on, we can't get the code. Yeah. Your car doesn't have a black box? Apparently not. <laughs> Maybe only Teslas do. Maybe that's the reason to get a Tesla, because it's got a full log of everything. Yeah. But yeah, it's not just it's Salesforce. Just, where he... It just seems dumb to not have a log. I mean, if, it's, if computers are going to generate these codes, like just it, 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 it could be a minimal amount of data. It doesn't have to be anything yeah. that would be expensive at all. Yeah, it just seems weird. Like, you check engine lights on, you're like, oh, crap. As you're driving to the dealership, and on the way there, the light turns off. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. so I lost everything. I lost every bit of information about what that was about. It only broadcasts the code when it's on, <laughs> I guess. I don't, I don't understand that. And it, by the way, it won't show you the code because you need to go pay for a dealer visit to get the code. Oh, and they charge you for that. Yeah. They, they, it's like a flat, like when you go to, when you go to log or uh, schedule an appointment, there's a, there's a, a part number or an option for check engine light on and it's got a base charge on it for diagnosing. Yeah. Like, wow. When well, they have those little things you can buy, the little OB, what are they? OB, that doesn't matter. OB something the only, the only way you're going to get an appointment is if you agree to spend $100 no, minimum to saying? diagnose the code. You can plug it in. and Yeah. Benioff yeah. gave a bunch of those to a bunch of people at some... OBD. OBD2? Yeah. No. What was that? There was some like event that that they had, and Benioff like one of the freebies was like one of those things you plug into your car to to track your car's stuff. <laughs> That's how Salesforce could put you on their marketing <laughs> cloud journey. <laughs> and I was like, where you are. none of those people would ever use yeah. that. They're gonna like hand. They're gonna second hand that yeah. gift that. But um, yeah. Anyways, uh, I have so I got one other thing that I actually really want to talk about that I want to get to. We're already at an hour. I know um, this is this is us in a little short show, right? Yeah, I know. And it's um, it's it's about email relay, and I'm not even sure like the full context here. But I, I just got asked of me or to me, and I, I wasn't sure what the answer was. So supposed problem here is that I guess when sell and I'm not sure if these are like when Salesforce sends email. I'm not, I think it's like maybe workflow generated email or something. I, I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but it sends it from in air quotes like mm -hmm. a certain user with a certain email address, right? But it didn't come from like the authoritative mail server of that email address's domain. So it's kind of like spoofing it in a way. Now, I know, I know spoofing is not the right word. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? It's like if I try to set up, if I put up a, just a, my own quick little email server and was sending email addresses, and I just in the from field, I was putting, you know, John at whatever your email address is.com. Right. I mean, you can do that. But the, but nowadays, like most email clients are smart enough, they they ignore yeah, it. Yeah, because they're checking, they check the domain record that in DNS has this all yeah, reverse funny, lookup I, crap. I just dealt with this. I do too, actually. I did. I had to set up the what's it, the DKI and all this, all this stuff. To mm -hmm. Whatever. Um, well, mine was more simple than that. I just wanted to set the reply to on a, on an email message I was sending out of Apex, uh -oh. and that didn't work. Yeah. I mean, it technically apparently sticks it in the header, but most clients are ignoring it and yeah, basically choosing the origin email. Yeah. So the problem is supposedly that Salesforce is sending emails to, you know, this this company's employees, mm -hmm. and they're it's setting the from to be the, the different employees, also mm -hmm. employees, using their you know company domain name. But they're they're all their their IT infrastructure set up to to block at least illegitimate from address any email with an illegitimate from. Mm. That can't be verified. It's blocked. That's a common spam prevention thing. Yeah, and it makes me think. Well, why? Why have I not heard this 
I feel like I should, this would be a huge problem that I've heard about a million times. And I hardly ever hear anyone complain about this. And maybe it's because. I think it's because you have to configure your web, your email server to, to allow that, those IPs or those email addresses. So that's. Okay, so there's ways you can, I guess, just for, again from an e, from because these again these modern email servers have all this ways to really cut down on illegitimate mm-hmm. email, and what and I think one thing you can do is and I think maybe this is what Salesforce tells you to do, on your email server, just have it whitelist all these IP addresses. Mm-hmm. If it if it comes from these our IP addresses, just don't check all the other stuff because it's it's gonna it's not gonna pass the check. We're gonna we're right. spoofing your from email address, right? But they just security policy wise can't do that. It's like no, they're like no, it's too many, too many, too many IP addresses. We're not doing it. And they're like fix your crap. And they're kind of right. Like it's that's it's like they're Salesforce. Is, I don't really understand exactly what's going on, so I'm not going to say this. But potentially they are they're kind of breaking the internet. They're breaking SMTP in a way. I guess. I mean, they're. It's no different than any other marketing tool or anything. They they all send no, emails from their mail servers. But but those uh, they do. But you can. There's a way to go set those up, and it's like there's a couple. There's like the sender policy framework and and DKIM, and they they give you these long codes to put in. You have to put in create some special like t, t, uh, text records in your DNS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And email clients and and email servers will when the email comes in can they and they somehow i don't know if they sign the email with that but anyway they can basically you can essentially say hey um set up your like if you have someone who's like say use constant contact or one of these you basically set them up to be like a legitimate sender of your email right using this all these technologies that have developed over the past few years um so that's so that's a solved thing in mm-hmm. a way and Salesforce owns those products, like Pardot. Pardot does that. Um, Marketing Cloud does that. When you set up the, but I'm not the talking about Pardot. This is not Pardot or Marketing Cloud. I'm just saying, if you're, my, I don't know what you're saying. You're, you're not. You're changing the subject, is what you're doing. I'm not talking about Pardot. I'm talking about Salesforce sending email. I know. And I, what so, I'm saying is, is if you can't, I'm looking at the Slack here. If your I'm, email I'm server is blocking those, I'm sure Salesforce would say send it out of Pardot instead. You can't send workflow emails out of Pardot. Yeah, you can. No, you can't. You can't have your workflow actions come out of Pardot. Oh, no, you would have to set up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah never mind. <laughs> power or something keeps John, you're not being you're not being a good solution architect here. <laughs> I'm not. I'm a horse. So I feel like there's an easy answer to this because I, I feel like this if this was this, it, it seems like a, like a horrible problem. I'm like, no, there's no, there's something I'm missing here. And I, I haven't really dug into it. I'm just hoping to get, I was hoping to be I'm, I'm being lazy and i'm asking the community to help to find this answer for me why someone being lazy someone go to stack exchange what is it dot salesforce.com or whatever and figure this out for me <laughs> get matt lacy on the line i don't i thought you might have a quick answer to it john you know you're a solution you're a technical architect you know you should be able to you should know this i don't know this <laughs> i know about setting up pardot and i know about setting up the the files in the dns i know about warming up ip addresses I know about uh, whitelisting IP addresses on your mail server to accept them. I haven't had a client who said, nope, we're not doing that. Is that a common thing you've had to do? Not a do common you, thing, I mean, but it's, 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 it's happened. Is a common thing that companies have to do? Yeah. Whitelist on yeah. their mail server? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Yeah. So maybe that's why, because I'm wondering, like, why don't I hear about this more? It's just a common thing. The IT will get on the phone and say, hey, we need... Just, okay. So where, by the time send, I'm where are you sending these okay. from? Give us an IP address or they'll right. okay. they'll tell me what they need and we yeah. end up giving it to them. That makes sense. I mean, by the time <clears> I get called to build some kind of software on their Salesforce. They've already solved all these problems. You know, yeah. Okay, maybe so. Well, I will uh, 
I, I, have, I have a feeling I'm going to be expected to get to the bottom of this, and I will I will report back with what I find out. Yeah, I'm curious because I don't I don't think I've ever had an instance where we couldn't get this done. Yeah, where someone just flat out said, "No, we're not whitelisting IP addresses from a product they bought." That's yeah, that they vetted. Yeah, because usually if if IT is really that strict, they'll go through the motions with Salesforce. They'll have their team, their security team, and everything, and they'll go. Talk to Salesforce and vet everything yep. so that they understand. So mm-hmm. whitelisting an IP is nothing because they understand that system. And you know, and <clears throat> and I don't think they control their IT. Actually, it's part of the problem. But their their response they got from the people that do control their IT was that's just too many IP addresses to whitelist. And like my response was like, that's not really rational. First of all, Salesforce, you know, they they literally own those IP addresses through the is it ICANN or I can't remember who assigns IP addresses, which group it is. Mm-hmm. But also, all it takes is all it takes is one IP address to completely. If you have a vulnerability that's IP address based, all I got to do is somehow attack one of those IP addresses. Mm-hmm. I don't need a thousand. I mean, that really doesn't. I know it from a lay perspective. It seems like you're increasing your surface area, your attack surface area, but I don't think you really are. Like all it takes is one. If you whitelist as much as one IP address, that's that's all I need. If I if I have some way to attack you based on and those like, IP, spoofing an IP address, those IP addresses are regional too, aren't they? So they have a set for America, set for EMEA, all those kind of things, don't they? I'm sure. Yeah, they've they've got to be because IP. So, I mean, even are then, regional. you could carve out if I'm only US. That's right. I think Salesforce's standard advice <clears throat> is like I is whitelist yeah, all of these. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess you never know where it's going to come from. <laughs> Well, you know, these security guys, it's like, it's their job to like, I mean, they'd get fired if they Yeah, I mean, you can't blame them for being I, I kinda, strict on I it guess. at the same I mean, time. But I don't know. You also have to be informed. You have to make informed decisions. You can't just say no to everything because you are d- reducing your own risk. I mean, you have to take risks. But you have to, you have to understand your risks. They have to be smart risks. You know, like, okay, yeah. I understand what mm-hmm. it means to whitelist this, IP of, uh, this range of IP addresses. I understand what I'm doing. And... In some ways, is it does it theoretical maybe in, open up some vector um, theoretically, but like, and then you have to figure out, okay, well, what would ha- what would happen? Well, someone would be able to send us, someone would be able to send us spam emails if you know if they <laughs> okay. Well, is that you know what's the downside there, and what what are we gonna lose? I don't know. I guess that opens you up to other. So, are they nasty blocking attacks. all unknown IPs? No, they're not blocking IPs. It's just that their email server doesn't, isn't. Uh, here's the problem. You know, these email servers again. They they check all these, they check all these headers and things against the sender's DNS records and the IP address and make sure that everything matches up and the reverse lookups that are all there before email comes in. I mean, this is common thing that like any modern email system does this. Yeah, but what we're asking here, hang on, <clears throat> what we're asking the email system to do. Is for these IP addresses, just skip those those checks. Don't yeah. even do them. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost like a, a, a false sense of security because I mean most spammers they buy IP addresses and buy servers like crazy. But they can't buy Salesforce's IP addresses, right? But yeah. I'm just saying that they'll send from a new IP address just oh, sure. every second yeah, if they yeah. if they want to. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta get yourself a nice botnet with tens of thousands of nodes on yeah. it. You can just like <laughs> it's never gonna be the same <laughs> IP address twice, right? So I mean, it, it, I get it, but at the same time, I it, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, it's already late. Yeah, I'm ready to wrap up. It's supposed to be a short I'm one. Out of beer. This is as short as I get. We should 
We should shoot for like a 30 minute show one day and see, so see if we could do that. Just just getting wound up and then wrap or, or warmed up and then wrapping up would take us 30 minutes. We can't do anything fast. We're, we'd have on. to, we'd have to, we'd have to, you know what? To do a short show, we'd have to do a ton of prep. We'd probably have to like to do two days worth of prep to cram conversation. And we'd have to set a timer on each topic, like right. a, little, a little egg timer or something. Just like <laughs> rapid fire it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we talked about uh, how to get in touch with us. So please get in touch with us. We talked about Slack. Um, leave us a review. Talked about extracurricular. Yeah, that's true. Extracurricular. So think think about. You probably don't have a lot of time either. So I don't know what I don't know if we know. You know, it, I would say within the next week, if you're interested in giving a talk, at least let us know. Yeah, uh, we'll probably have an e- email address, but for now, just get in the Slack and post in conversations. Um, we also have a website. It's got a website. Does it still have a website? We'll yeah, have to update it. I need to update it. Yeah. But that might be a place too. But I would say for now, because I think it's probably time sensitive to get talks in. Yeah, just just hit us up in Slack. And reviews. Leave us reviews. Give us the stars, the hearts, especially the uh, the overcast, the stars. They help. They help something. Do they? I hope those don't make Marco money. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> and to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>